Hello, I'm John, and you are listening to the Purple Worm podcast, a podcast where four British guys get together and chew the fat about British and other RPGs. We've had some great voicemails, which I'm going to be turning you over to Colin Green, aka Spike Pit, in a few moments so that he can answer those. But before we get started, we have a really nice message from Ray Otis. So we're going to open with that. Take it away, Ray. The problem with this purple worm thing you guys have going is that it's just too damn good, right? I mean, you're really ruining the business for all of us who try to do a solo podcast. We're all going to have to join these super teams. So, you know, thanks a lot. So there's Ray Otis from Plundergrounds. Thanks for your kind words, Ray. Glad you're enjoying the show. But I tell you what, I can't let you get away with that. I'm going to call you out. Trying to put together a solo show. This is the same Ray Otis who's on Swordbreaker with Logan Howard. No, Monster Brothers. I'll get it right in the end. You, you fellas will know if you listen to Ireland's latest episode, Che Webster there calling me out for getting the name of Ireland's show wrong. He'll be on calling me out for getting... Monster Brothers wrong next. So not Swordbreaker, Monster Brothers. Then we've got You're On With Angus doing Kirby's Kids. And then there's that uh, delving deeper thing you do with Cody where you both record and then put them out on your own podcast. So I don't know, Ray, that doesn't sound like solo podcasting to me. Not me- not to mention the ones we've done together ourselves. <laughs> uh, you've got to watch him. Hi fellas, it's Goblin Tenchman here. Just a quick voice message to say I'm enjoying the, the Purple Worm uh, podcast. Interesting hearing the various back and forth stuff. Now, as a slight petty point, uh, and mainly on me to be perfectly honest, for the longest time there I thought John was Swiss. You know, and this was pitched to me as an all-British podcast. Um, I think mainly because of his uh, icon on uh, G Plus and, and MeWe. I think it's been that, had that red, uh, all red dice with a die with a uh, white cross in the middle plus sign so I've always kind of had it Swiss John Swiss John but uh, obviously I've heard him ring into various podcasts since so I anchor podcasts I know he's I know he's a Brit but uh, it's it's still in my brain I can't shake it and um, if uh, David gets around to running that uh, procedural adventure of mine I'd definitely be interested in feedback on that that's I may be behind on the curve here because I'm a few weeks behind on my podcast need to catch up topic suggestion hex crawls maybe I don't know anyway cheers fellas bye So when I saw Goblin Henchman's name crop up in my notifications for Purple Worm, I thought, excellent, we're going to get some real cool, uh, out of left field, creative ideas to bring to our games. (laughs) But no, what do we get? (laughs) Crazy, crazy theories on Swiss John. I love it, (laughs) Swiss John. That's got a stick. I'm gonna, right, everybody, we need to make this stick now. Swiss John from Derby. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, Goblins Henchman. And I think there is a good chance that Hex Crawls will come up at some point. In fact, I'm 
I'm pretty sure we've we've touched on it. We're always talking about random tables. Uh, in fact, we we probably need to change the record. But um, thanks for the call in, mate, and I hope you will. Operation Unfathomable by Jason Schultz. An Anomalous Subsurface Environment by Patrick Wetmore. The Island of Purple Haunted Cubes by Venture Satanus. And Deep Carbon Observatory by Patrick Stewart. Thanks for the call in there, Chad. I don't know if it's just at my end or what, but the uh, the message came through fairly garbled don't know if you <laughs> you're just scrambling it to preserve your secret identity for fear of reprisals <laughs> i don't know but i made out most of it and i'm familiar with about half of those uh, deep carbon observatory is certainly pretty weird um the uh, Venger Satanis one I'm not familiar with, nor the, the what is it, subsurface envir- anomalous subsurface environments or something. I've heard of it, also not familiar with that one. And Operation Unfathomable by Jason Schultz is one of my favourites. I really, I really like what he did with that book. I haven't got it to the game table yet. But my my plan is to combine Midlands, Dolman Woods, uh, oh, and some other stuff that it escapes me now. Operation Unfathomable, obviously. Oh yeah, Gardens of Yin. I might pass on the Stygian Library. Um, but uh, funnily enough, fellow Purple Worm, John Large, Swiss John, as we're going to be calling him from now on. <laughs> Also likes to um, likes to mash these things together, and as mentioned, some of the same titles. So, uh, yeah, definitely pretty weird. Operation Unfathomable, and I don't know why we didn't mention that in the episode. I think because it's more of a setting and not a role playing game, it it might have not really been included. But uh, thanks for the call in, and uh, my apologies to listeners for the. The, the quality, perhaps you'll hear it different to me, but yeah, technicalities, not my strong point. Okay, we are now recording. Welcome back to the Purple Worm with Dave Aldridge, Pete Jones, and of course, Colin from the Spike Pit, and myself, John, from the Red Dice Diaries. In this episode, we're going to be talking about into the odd again i'm fucking showing the book i don't know why <laughs> right. it's got, i've recorded so many youtube videos i can't get out of the habit of like showing a book when i mention it but this is, cut. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're done i'm out no, um someone call my agent now uh we're talking about doing it again look into the odd by chris mcdowell from lost pages which is a it's a fairly fairly small book so like paperback book 48 odd pages okay so who wants to start us off with talking about into the odd so, well into the odd is uh, a, a stripped down 
D and D, and if you don't know, odd the word odd comes from original D and D from which it was based. And basically, he's cut the six abilities down to three: strength, dexterity, and willpower. And character creation is very simple. Um, you roll for your stats, and then you get a starter package. And depending on your hit points and your highest ability is what you start with. So for example, if you have four hit points and 12 is your highest ability, you'd get a pickaxe, some manacles, and some arcanum. And that is as simple as character creation goes. I was gonna say as well, Pete, just to jump in there, I know we've, um, we'll probably go on to talk about this a bit later on. And I know we've talked about sort of implied worlds before. Well, sort of even at this early stage, I mean, we're on like page five when you get to like the starter package table. Even looking at that, I mean, some of it's fairly generic, you know, sort of like sword, whatever that you uh, shield you'll find in like your average fantasy. And as you start looking at it, there's things like muskets and blunderbusses. You're like, right, okay, so obviously black powder exists. Yeah. And yeah. Then as you push yeah. on, you start getting to things like uh, artificial lung, I like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you start getting onto like cigars obviously cigars exist yep. random stuff like yep. that um there's people there's people who can like see in the dark or have glowing eyes but there's, there's, there's a prosthetic hand so obviously sort of crude prosthetics have existed for a long time in the real world but there's lots of stuff on there like you maybe wouldn't associate with your traditional sort of medieval worldview which i think is quite interesting and it sort of it starts sort of lacing in that sort of implied setting yeah. almost uh, right from the get-go pretty much that's right yeah which is more of an industrial setting is yeah. it maybe not quite victorian but a kind of industrial revolution type yeah setting, I, think. I think even the co the cover of the book sort of says that i mean you've got into the art written in sort of like red font but it's done like one of those sideways maps of a dungeon yeah it's you like know? your satanic meals in it it's like yeah, uh -huh. yeah, it's got like your big sort of turning wheel and uh you sort of mill wheels and like leads down into the dungeon. There's like some tentacles and like a, um, a gallows in there and a huge sort of water wheel style construction. So it's got your ingredients, like your classic sort of dungeoneering stuff on the cover. But even there, it started to hint that this game's going to be a little bit more industrial, perhaps. Than yep, yep. Game. And uh, it's, a, it's a very fragile game as well, because you start off with very few hit points, between one and six hit points. And once, and the mechanic is that uh, you roll a save for everything, so you're saving against your strength or saving against your dexterity, and attacks automatically hit. So if you do an attack, you roll for damage. Uh, there is no attack roll. So if you're going into combat with a monster, you're going to take damage. And if you've only got one or two hit points, you ain't going to last long. So I think the, the idea of the game is to try and avoid um, full-on contact and trying to make players think of alternative ways of dealing with situations. That's the, that's the impression I get from the rules. Yeah, I mean, I've got to admit, when I, when I sort of read the, the, the rules about, you know, attacks just do damage minus whatever the armour of your, of your opponent is, I really like that. Because one of the things that I particularly like about OSR games in general is because, by and large, since they all give you like a lower hit point total, and let's face it, you're not any great shakes in the hero department when you first start mm -hmm. off, you really have to be careful and almost sort of think a bit more tactically and how to like edge things to your advantage when you get into a combat, especially at lower levels. So this sort of gave me that same feeling, like different mechanic, but I still got the same sort of vibe. I think I was like, all right, if I'm going to, I've got four hit points, 
I'm going to be automatically taking at least some damage. So I need to make sure I've got some armor. I need to yep. take advantage of cover. I need to try and like, perhaps catch my opponent unaware or hedge the hedge the bets in my favor. And I really quite like that sort of thing personally. I'm going to give a shout out to uh, the Loco Lodus um, mm -hmm. podcast because he does a really good interview with Chris McDowell. And Chris talks about um, why he went down that rabbit hole. Because um, okay. he, he found playing D&D games that characters were looking at their their character sheets, looking for, oh, how can, what can I do with the skills I've got? Well, if you haven't got much on your character sheet, then players have got to think for themselves. I mean, I think as well, one of the things I found is... Um, Another reason why I quite like this sort of like automatic damage rule is I certainly, not all games, obviously, it's a bit of a generalisation, but certainly I've played in D&D games where you get into one of those combats where you're coming up against mm -hmm. like some sort of enemy that has like a high armour class mm -hmm. and you're maybe low level and you're like, all right, okay, I've got a pretty good armour class and they're not really hitting me, but I can't hit them. And you're just there for ages, just like rolling dice with like actually nothing really happening. Yeah, whiffing. Yeah. But there's a there's another thing, isn't it? And and again, the loco ludus is really good for this. You know what he's done is double down on the abstract nature of hit points. Yeah. Because when yeah. you think about it, if you've got your if you've got your fighter types, your fighter types have normally got a sort of constellation of things. They've got a higher attack bonus. They can wear bigger armor. They've got more hit points. Here, if you like, all of those elements are captured in having more hit points. You know where hit points represent all of that. They represent all of your ability to you know, to, to stoke or avoid damage in that combat situation. So, so he's, he's, he's really streamlined what is usually spread across those various different mm -hmm. systems. And they're, they're not actually even hit points in this system, are they? I forget what he calls them, but he, he doesn't actually call them hit points. I have actually got the, um, the free version which precedes the version that you guys are waving around, I think, the published version. And in this, he does call them hit points. But I think later on, he renames it. For Bastion Land, I think he's called it hit protection. Yeah, that's it. To, again, suggest that more abstract nature. You know, So you're not taking wounds. You don't take a wound until you take your strength. You go down, yeah. Because it then starts, there's critical hits and your strength gets eroded and stuff like that. Although I've got to admit, with the way you sort of like smoothly slipped in a mention of electric bastion lands, I'm starting to suspect that you guys have got me together to record this episode with the sole purpose of persuading me to buy a copy of Electric Bastion Land. I, I have no dog in that race, actually. <laughs> no particular. Um, it does look tasty, though. But... It does. It does look quite good. I mean, to be honest, although as I've said numerous times, I think artwork's quite subjective. I actually, in the sort of free PDF that has been made available to backers and non-backers of it which i'd advise anyone to go and have a look at even if you're thinking that probably won't be interested it's a free sample why would you not have a look at it i actually found some of the black and white artwork quite evocative in that i mean i know in previous episode we were talking about how how sort of great the old black and white artwork was in fighting fantasy books and i obviously not identical because it's like a difference in the world but I almost got a similar sort of feel in some of the artwork in the, the free sort of preview PDF. It, it was very sort of, like I say, it, it invoked an appropriate mood to what I thought they were trying to convey in the rest of the free PDF. Yeah, I, um, I, I looked at the same download and I, I think the artwork's evocative. I mean, I think we could talk about artwork quite a lot. Um, 
I don't know if you want to talk about it now, but yeah, go on. Yeah, well, God, I would say that. By. Get on with it. Okay. Well, there's there's at least two people on this podcast that said they basically couldn't give a flying uh, "How's your father?" Um, about artwork, and Correct. they're interested in the content. Guilty well, I would charge. say, I would say that the artwork is totally content. If if it's not that sort of clip art or free domain yeah. placeholder type of stuff that creeps in, and 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 it, all this ties into my um, the my bugbear of RPGs is don't don't do RPGs as a one man band, man. You need a team. If you're going to put out a decent RPG, you need a proper creative team with people that can do this stuff. And people get artists and they get some good artists and that's all well and good. A lot of the time this seems to be led by a designer or a writer, Mm -hmm. but have they got editors? Have they got play testers? And And the person I've been looking through some books today and the person who is left out the most times is the graphic designer and the layout artist. Mm -hmm. The person who does layout and graphics, they don't get a look in. Every writer thinks they can lay out. Every artist thinks they can do graphic design. And I'll tell you what, I don't think so. I think that is BS. Yeah, it's definitely a specialised skill set. it, It is. And I'm not saying you don't get the Renaissance man that can do it all. You definitely do. A, mm-hmm. a pretty good example is Blades in the Dark, Harper. He's a pretty good, pretty good all-rounder. I don't know how much other people have been involved, but just looking at the credits, he's done a lot of the creativity on Blades in the Dark. Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty good layout. I like um, uh, uh, Evil Hat layout, generally. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think they're pretty slick and they're pretty, you know, professional as you'd expect. But mm, I feel like just talking about Electric Bastion Land, there's no way I would have gone for the the letter format for that book. No way. Just mm-hmm. just looking at it, I don't I don't know why he's made the design choice he has. I think like John was saying, some there's some wicked art in there. In, in in that document, I thought there's some great art. I, th- I think with, with it being a unique setting as well, the art really sort of sets it apart. I mean, with your generic fantasy, your fantasy settings, most people got an idea what a fantasy setting is. They've seen Lord of the Rings, they've seen Conan, but with something like Troika or Into the Odd, with a, a unique setting, I think the art does make make it. It gives you. It gives you a feel That's for that content, setting. yeah. At that yeah. point, because it's a a picture paints a thousand words, yeah. and that would be my argument for saying if you've got good art that really captures your setting, a lot of the heavy lifting could be done with that art and save you reading reams of, oh, you know, the sort of stuff that turns up in Wizards stuff. Yeah, I mean, one of the one of the things I like about um, several of the, like the Kickstarter campaigns I've backed over the years, and when you see someone who's like, right, okay, well, I've got all the text ready for whatever book it is. I'm doing the Kickstarter to raise money to pay some artists yeah. to do some good art and to pay someone to do the layout. Because then I'm like, right, I know I'm guaranteed a product in some form because you've already got it pretty much done. But you're trying to go that 
extra sort of step to, to make it a really good product. Right, and can I jump in there? Because, because I, you know, I, I, I suspect I'm one of those two people, Colin, that you're slightly misrepresenting because, because you're not. You know, that, so I'll make it that, free. Oh, that's <laughs> right. No, that's all right then. That's all right then. No, you're not. Um, because, because if you, you know, with the Kickstarter, yeah, if you if you get the guy who says, look, so I've got a full draft. Um, you know, the Kickstarter will pay for the art and to make it into a beautiful book, right? If you then get the guy that then shares that full draft, right? I'll take that full draft very happily, and if it's good, I will then back the Kickstarter and pay for the book with the art and be really happy to get the book and the art. But I'll have yeah. actually made the judgment about whether I want it. Probably I'll have seen some pictures of the art, but it'll be off the back of the text. Yeah. You know, the thing I always resent is where people, they won't, they won't, they won't judge the text on its own merit because it hasn't got any pictures in. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that, that's mm. the bit. Or, or, or the people that feel they have to go and bung in a whole load of stock art because no one's going to read it unless it's got pictures. And then, yeah, you I mean, so you I, see all those sort of strange I, I very much agree. It very much yeah. agree, Dave. I mean, one thing for myself is I, I like to be able to like, look at enough of a sample of something to make an informed decision about whether I'm going to buy it. I, I don't like sort of having to buy things blindly. So it's like, for instance, mm. I know we mentioned um, Gavin Norman's Old School Essentials, sort of being actually being posted out i believe now from the distribution yeah, centers yeah, this, this but part of that was being able to look at the the previous versions so bx essentials yeah. and also looking at the sort of art free pdfs that were released for like for nothing so you could have a look at that you could go right do i like this content enough to want to splash out on obviously the nicer version with all the art and whatever but you can then make that informed decision you haven't just got to like look at the cover or like one or two pages of text and go I think it's probably going to be good and then sort of like just guess yeah. and make a decision. So and I think that's a good way for, for publishers for getting goodwill from people. Because if, if you say to me like, look, I'm, I'm that confident in like the stuff I've written. Here's a version with no art. Have a look at it. See what you think. If you don't like it, no, I'm done. But I'm confident enough that you're going to like this, that you're going to want the good version. So that says to me that they believe in their product that they're putting out, that they're willing to do that. Whereas I find it a bit odd when, products are sort of kept like quite secretive and like things are like dribbled out because then it doesn't seem like this the is weird yeah. have the courage of their convictions to like well it's because they haven't written it yet isn't it yeah so you know no hope of it being play tested no, they're the, the, the hoping to get paid to, to write it aren't they yeah, yeah. okay yeah. So, i mean in some ways Gav, Gav, gavin's la laughing isn't he because he's got a tried and tried and tested system yeah and then he's he's basically taking all of his budget to um, payroll himself and his team. He's, I can tell he's spent a bunch of money on art. Yeah. And uh, I think he's got a good eye for layout himself. Yeah. I, I feel that he does the layout himself. Um, but yeah, uh, this team thing, this is what concerns me about, we were talking about Into the Odds. Into the Odd was published by Lost Pages, which is Paolo Greco. And don't forget, Paolo, you owe me some PDFs if you're listening. I'll have a chat with you at Dragon Meet and see if I can get that squared away so I don't have to mention it again. Um, <laughs> I'm taking a leaf out of Dave's book because he was whinging on his podcast about PDFs. Oh, yeah, open combat. Yeah, open combat. Yeah, yeah. I want my PDFs. Yeah. Second yeah. reminder, third strike yeah. and you're out, open yeah, combat. Yeah, I haven't seen him yet. <laughs> <laughs> But um, but Paolo, he's he he. I think he knows his books and his layout because I got 
yeah. I got some some stuff from him. He is the guy that put together additional materials for Into the Odd. And um, isn't that where, where the Maze Rats is? That's the the first version uh, of the Maze Rats in there, isn't there? Additional yeah, materials. The, yeah, that was the one we was talking about. Yeah. Um, I, think, layout, I, think, I think I've heard of that. <laughs> you think you've heard of Maze Rats? Yeah, like a true Spike Pit fan, huh? <laughs> to, 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 to be honest, this is no I mean, good for the listeners, but um, Lost Pages is pretty pretty nice with their layout. They did um, yeah. the them, uh, what is it, Wonder and Wickedness, and some magic books. I can't remember the names of them now, but they're quite traditional, but they're very like tastefully done. <laughs> and he, he, he's got a good idea. He's got a good idea for fonts and things like that. But, but I, I but don't Bastion, think he works in isolation. Yeah, I was going to say, Bastion and isn't uh, done through Lost Pages, though, is it? Um, no. Chris well, this is what I'm, this is what I'm getting to. So, He's Into the him. Odd was because I think I think uh, Chris and Paolo and them that they were like play testing the game and playing mm-hmm. on whatever their connection was. But then this is this is not Lost Pages. This is chris's own thing i saw a prototype of it i can't remember if it was last dra- dragon meat or the dragon i feel like it was the dragon meat before mm. uh, but i saw it and it was this big thing and i was worried about those 200 failed careers each of them is a double page spread right yeah in a 300 what is it a 300 page book yeah it's, it's 100 yeah it makes up 200 pages yeah. you're right yeah. yeah so there's 100 of them they make up 200 pages that seems like a damn lot and and when you look at the example you've got like a massive head like the massivest of massive headers it's like almost as big as the advanced fighting fantasy banner bit yeah. on the front cover of yeah. that and it's this big old header and i think that's a lot of space and yeah and i think it would i think it would really work a lot better at digest size i would i would t- i would be so much happier with it shrunk yeah. down a bit i agree I agree with you looking at it yeah. now um, it's, uh, it's, it's gonna be letter size and you've got uh, three t- well two two and a bit tables on each page haven't you which is a choice of six things on each table so it seems to be a lot of wasted space on the page, it's going to be that, I, that I do find it odd as well, though, that like into the odd is digest size, as is additional materials, and then electric bastions that's based on that. It is a different format. Yeah, I would love to know. I would love to know more about that design decision. That is the one yeah. one thing that is the, my burning desire is to ask that question. Mm. Because mm. I don't see it. I just well, don't on, get on it. The, um, on the local Luther's interview, Chris McDowell said that he just wanted the book for himself and the yeah. Kickstarter is helping to pay for the book he wants for himself. <laughs> yeah. So it you wonder, is it just for him? Yeah, well, he could have just printed that off on his printer, couldn't he? Yeah. Uh, I, I've got uh, to that, that, Obviously, I'm taking it in a little bit out of context, so I've not heard the interview, but... Uh, I, I, I do question whether that's the way to sell a book. Go, yeah, I'll yeah. make it for myself. Oh, well, but you can see the spirit of that. You know, I'm not, oh, I'm yeah, not, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah, this, you know, people say that I, I wrote the game I wanted to play 
I've made yeah. the book I wanted to buy. Do you know what I mean? I haven't done it for yeah. anybody else. I can see yeah, the spirit I, of that. But, I, I um, get that. But it, it's not. But it is a weird. I, I think he's. I think he wants it for a. You know, he, he's he's going for a coffee table kind of thing. You know, it, it, it's it's clear to me. He says a lot of the time. This is everything's in plain speak. This is for bringing in your friends who are a little bit interested yeah. in gaming but don't know anything about gaming. And I think maybe if it's a nice coffee table piece, you know, that adds to the that adds to the event of it. Um, but it, yeah, it does seem to me that you know, unless unless those double page spreads are all gorgeous, lush, you know, no, art. You know, yeah. yeah. So that, so, so then you kind of think, why? I, I, I um, do think um, one good change he's made to the interior rules, though, is changing willpower for charisma. Because I have to agree that yeah. charisma yeah. is easier to understand for the non-layman than or what does. Well, that was a really interesting part of that interview, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, since, so, you, since you brought us back around to into the odd, do we want to pick up with with that a little bit more and carry on to talk about the the mechanics of that? We've talked about the starter packages and the saves, etc. Yeah, I how think about, we should. How about so uh, the, magic in, in the odd, into the odd? Yeah, so the so the so the so the thing I really like about into the odds is the archive. So it's a rules like system. I'm always happy with that. It hasn't got much in the way of mechanics, so that kind of gets out of the way for your imagination. I really like the Arcana, renamed in Electric Bastion Land as Oddities, yeah. um, because you know the point is, and it's flagged up all the way through. These are some suggestions. The point is that the referee makes them up. Um, and it's, but it's basically anything that would make your character distinctive. So yes, they are basically spells, but they are they are any 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 of the things that you would that you would that you would use to differentiate a class or any kind of special ability can be made into Arcana. They've got various power levels. Um, some of the builds, as Pete said, start off with them depending on your stats. Um, and then there's a suggestive list, uh, but he even says, you know, this, your referee will have their own list. Um, and I think you, you build your whole kind of world and power system through the list, of, the list of Arcana, which to me is very reminiscent of the Cypher system. So yeah. Arcana seemed to me to be a lot like Cyphers in yeah. Human Error. Um, the the, the right items, aren't they? Yeah. The, yes. Spell yeah. Is, is an item, so you could you could have a, an orb that has got a sleep spell in it, or, or whatever you want. Yeah. You know. yeah. Um, and did, and, did and I, I really like that. that. I was going to say, did I not hear Chris saying that he predated Numenera on that? Mm. though? Yeah. yeah. Well, that was a different. That was a. I mean, so maybe he did. Um, but also, he was all he was talking about there was the name. You know, that happened because yeah. in in Numenera okay. there are also things called oddities, which aren't even yeah. really ciphers. No. But but that's that's a sort of a, a diversion, I think, from the you know from from what is really nice here. And I don't you know it can be arrived at quite independently. But it's that core idea which Maze Rats picks up on. So, think, yeah. Exactly. Of, of you know not sweating classes class abilities you're not having to worry about balance because you don't have to worry if you break yeah. the system because you've just given mm -hmm. out an object it's a unique object but being able to build the world and build characters from what you scatter icrpg does a similar thing yeah. Yeah. being able to yeah. build ca characters from the stuff that you as the gm are happy to feed to them now what i like in icrpg and the cypher system is that these are done on random tables <laughs> um, yeah. whereas i think here is the suggestion that you know you've just got as a gm you've got completely was it referee in here as a referee you've got completely free reign to to just feed these things in um, but that to me is what's you know otherwise meh it's a rules like system um you know there are other ones out there but i think the arcana are what make it uh, really distinctive and and the sort of the random tables at the back is probably 
what inspired Ben Milton to um, do his uh, nave, uh, right. nave from because in right. the as we've alluded to earlier in the additional materials which is the supplement for Into the Odd, uh, Ben Milton did his first version of Maze Rats. That's right, yeah. And um, the, okay. the other thing in additional materials, there's a nice um, sort of Cyber London hack in there as well, mm. which caught my uh, interest. There's also and, a, um, a sort of more traditional like sort of like fantasy dungeon, one. dungeon hack, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, and if you check out uh, Free For All, Keep Off The Borderlands, he's a big Into The Odd fan. And at some point, I think we should probably revisit this and try and get him, get him on to talk about it because... Get I him think to run a game. A good... Get him to run a game. Yeah, get him to run a game. Get him to run a game for us for... Uh, ah, for the worm. Yeah. That they, would be, hey, there's are, an idea. They are, oh, Spencer, yeah. if you're listening, there's the challenge. Put a game on for the worms. Run a and game for that. us, yeah. And you've and, and you've got the any any award winning spin off of Into the Odd Death is a New Pink, <laughs> which is your apoc your post apocalyptic kind of uh, vibe. Although to be oh, honest, it sounds more like a perfume you'd buy to me with a name like that. But uh... yeah, yeah. But the but the other thing you know, Into the Odd has got it in those tables, um, and I think in Electric Bastion Land he's got what he calls his spark tables. Spark but tables. But he's he's done. He's done um, a thing which I'm increasingly um, appreciating, which is, you know, he hasn't bothered with reams and reams and reams of flavour or reams and reams and reams of world. He's just given you the random tables. Yeah, um, yeah because they've got all the flavour in the world. Yep. And that's what I yeah. loved about Maze Rats. What you, you put, what you can do with a few, in, a few entries on a yeah. table is amazing it's a bit like right at the front of the book like john said where you roll a couple of dice and come up with your character class just them little bits of equipment or yeah. those little quirks and i think carry the flavor across i think the players if you've got some good players they can add to the setting and sort of will be more invested in it as well yep yeah, i mean it's, it's a trend I'm, I'm quite happy to see in a lot of different games i mean We've seen it when you ran the the black hack recently, David. I exactly, I was going to say in, in the yes. next episode. But the, uh, the the sort of random background tables and stuff like that. I mean, let's say I, I gened up my character sort of like half an hour before your game, and it I didn't sit down going right. I'm going to gen up this particular type of character. I was like, right, let, let's just see where it goes. And I had a really fun time during the game. Got an entertaining character. And there was quite a few things in the background that like, I hadn't thought about myself, but then I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, that's interesting. And it was all off these random tables. And it all sort of, when, when all the characters were together, or the way all the sort of backgrounds meshed and it sort of like, it told us a bit more about the sort of implied setting was, was a, a great thing to see. Right, and that's, that's and yeah, and that's why I think particularly about you know into the odd and bastion land, you know that that idea of just building the setting from a bunch of random tables and your character creation, you know your randomised character creation. I'm increasingly thinking, you know, why are we, why are we wanting more than that? You know, why are we sweating? You know, big yeah. detailed game worlds, big detailed mm. character backgrounds. You know, that's all you need to. Because let, let's face it, you know, you, you get a, a rule book with lots of setting in it. How many GMs read the whole thing before putting the game on? You don't. There's just too much to take in, isn't it? You, you tend yeah, to focus on, on the, focus on the little bit of area and and gen well, up on that. Well, I mean, I know Dave, you've been you've been genning a um, a settlement for your 
for your black hat game uh, you're talking about it on your podcast and using the black sand tables to sort of generate like the um the, the inhabitants of the various buildings and the, the businesses and stuff like that and i certainly know for myself when i'm running my midlands game although i've got like the overall map of like great london and it goes like all right here's a couple of buildings for each district yeah a lot of the other stuff i generate using these tables yeah because if someone goes to me like oh yeah i want to see if there's like an alleyway not knocking about i've made myself a table where it like strings together stuff like random alleyway names and yeah. I'm like, oh yeah yeah quick click of the mouse on this like random table there we go that there's an alleyway name or you need to know if what that tavern's called right click right that there we go there's the name of the tavern and it just means i've not got to have like reams and reams and reams of notes detailing every tavern temple whatever but the players can always go somewhere and i'm not oh, shit, I've, got, I've, got, yeah. I've got to think of all these names yeah. yep. it takes it takes the weight off me and it frees me up to worry about like the actual important stuff yeah, so so that I mean, you know, at point of delivery to the players, you know, I mean, obviously when I'm doing it, I quite I quite enjoy telling people that's what I'm doing because it's part of the fun. But at point of delivery to the players, it's all the same, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, I've 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 written every street name on the map, or I've just rolled this street name at this point. They, they don't care, do they? Map. It's exactly no. the same at point of delivery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But plus, um, you, you, I, you, you get some quite entertaining sort of things out of it. I mean, I know when when Colin and the rest of the guys who play in my my Midlands game are like. Oh, we're looking around for a random alleyway, and I like rolled it, and I was like, "Oh, there's an alleyway nearby, and it's called Murder Way." And they're all like, "Oh, fucking hell, I'm not going." You get a bit of a, a laugh out of it, you move yeah. on, but yeah. it's like I, I would have never have chosen if I was like, "Yeah, no, yeah, call an alleyway Murder Way," but it was an entertaining little thing that just happened as a result of folding this random roll into what we were doing. And and, and that might spark a, an idea for a, a future episode, wouldn't it? You know, you might think Murder Way, what happened there? And you can exactly get into your game. It wouldn't have brought before. I, I thought it's interesting to hear Chris uh, Chris McDowell talking about his his idea on world building, saying that he wanted a mix of the the three kind of main techniques that you hear about. So he wanted a little bit of structure that was predetermined and worked out. Then he wanted the randomness of some flavorful tables and then he still wanted to leave the door open for players to uh, also invent and embellish the setting you know sourcing the table as i like to call it yeah i, mean, uh, I, th- I, I thought that was uh, interesting to hear him talking about that i mean i think that's something that, like a lot of us sort of chase in our own games you know you want to have certain sort of pre-scripted or sort of pre-created elements you know that you've got there so you've got like a like solid bedrock but then yeah. you also want to have that bit of flexibility to like take into account players ideas and for me i just love it when i roll something random and it, or the player characters do something random that i didn't expect because mm. yeah because you're it, playing the game then yeah it, it yeah. keeps it keeps yeah. me on my toes it, it keeps the game interesting for me as a gm whereas if i've pre-scripted everything down to the it's last boring detail, yeah, yeah. it's it's like it's like it's like paint the way I analogize this. It's like painting my numbers, right? But yeah. that's that's enjoyable. But also, you can but, get you can get precious about it. You can get so yeah. precious about your pre-planned thing yeah. that you know that you you really do. You can't help but want the players to go there. You know, and want to. Yeah, you can them. get a bit of anxiety. You can get a little bit worked yeah. up. Oh, it's going wrong. Oh, it's going wrong. This ain't what's supposed to happen. Oh no. Yeah. You know, but if you can 
if you can loosen up a bit, throw some randomness, throw out to the players, suddenly running the game is not about trying to remember what that great idea was you had or not trying to capture that idea. It's, man, just just let it let it happen and, you know, roll with it, roll with it. It's difficult. I think, I think, GMing is is always sort of dangerously egotistical anyway you know there is there is that thing you know if you want to be the GM it's dangerously but I think there is you know if you are so if you are so concerned about building this world you know even if you think you're building this world for your players you're not really you're you're, you're building it for yourself yeah <laughs> and you're letting yeah. the players muck about in it but you're going to get precious about it so i i kind of think it's really the best way to avoid that is just is to just you know let go of it yourself and let it I've, you know do you know what dave i think you should let spike pit jump into your world in black hack and let it let him run some craziness in shambles in you, your town. You mate. totally can, but I'm so yeah. happy. I'm so, I'm so happy that my game is my game is so bloody rock and roll that everybody wants to be the GM now. Yeah, it's brilliant. It, <laughs> I'm well up for that. So I can shambles. It'd be like. I mean, I, I will just say we've only had one session. <laughs> let me yeah. let me run a couple more sessions. Yeah, yeah. But you're okay. welcome, mate. Yeah. I can rock up into the shambles with my like. Um, urchin game man run that urchin game with uh dodger and the lads and old fagan absolutely, and absolutely all them can. dickensian characters in in that black sand-esque fighting fantasy vibed up punk diesel steam <laughs> <laughs> urchin punk dodger punk that's being cut yeah, that's not making it to the final edit. <laughs> I was going to say though, Colin, without like uh, without random tables, we wouldn't have ended up with like the troll butt diamonds in my game. Oh no, that was classic, wasn't it? That was, um, <laughs> and it went so well, didn't it? And the thing was, it gave us the reddies. It gave us the money to, like you talked about in Red Dice Diaries, getting property and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Without them, without oh. them butt diamonds, the ogre butt diamonds. Property buying was not on the agenda. Yeah, I mean, to, 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 to explain to anyone who like doesn't know about this, we, we basically had a we had one of the the player characters who like was shouting for someone. Always a smart thing to do in like a monster infested like underdog situation. So of course, a random wandering monster turned up, and it was like a right. big ogre. And I was like, they, they killed this ogre fairly ingeniously, lure him into a patch of poisonous mushrooms, and the spores got him eventually, and they finished him off. And I was like, right, okay, it's a monster. As we talked about before, about you know whether you should reveal you using random tables. I was like, right, <laughs> I was going to level with you guys. It's a wandering monster. Going to roll on this like random table, see what we get. And I just happened to roll that he got like a large amount of gemstones on him. And I was like, I've described this ogre as like he's literally like he's wearing nothing. He's got like a loincloth. And I was like. Where where on earth is he keeping this like giant diamond, which is like the <laughs> thing? And I was like, and that got me thinking. I was like, oh, maybe like maybe like ogres like eat diamonds or like gemstones to like aid their digestion or something. <laughs> obviously, but like, as he's died, the, some of these gems have dropped out of him, and um, they, they were like, oh right, okay, yeah, like cleaned them all off and whatever. And that's that sort of led on to like every time ogres are mentioned now. They're sort of like, oh, you know, maybe we we'll get some of them like ogre butt diamonds off them. <laughs> and, and that was something that came back entirely because of a, a random treasure. Yeah. 
But I, yeah, I, 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 I'm quite happy to build random tables into the ritual of the games. It's, it's Chase talked about rituals. Spike, Pete, you've talked about rituals as well, haven't you? But, but I kind of, yeah. I, I quite like it. If, if players say, you know, what's, you know, let's look through that door. What's around that corner? I quite like going. Well, let's let's see, shall we? And actually, you know, triggering, indicating that that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm rolling on a random table. I think it's kind of part of the. Um, part of the ritual of the game. I don't think it breaks him. It doesn't for me anyway, I don't think. I think um, another benefit of that, Dave, I think you're absolutely right, but another benefit of that is, let's say you've rolled like a wandering monster or something and you go, oh, it's some like ridiculously hard like troll or something. The, the players know that's not just you as a GM going like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be a bit of a prick. I'm just giving them like this monster because I know it's going to kill them. They know it's, it's the dice that have decided that. Right. And you're right. just and you're just representing what the dice have rolled. It's because yeah. the, the dice that they don't have any agenda. They're they're random as far as they go. Yeah. They, I mean, obviously, yeah, you can tweak it a bit depending on what tables you're using. But they know it's not you as the GM having any agenda. It's just the way the dice have fallen, and you're just running through what happens yeah. as a result. So, they, yeah. and and I and I, I know that there's not a big OSR thing to worry about balance, but I was thinking, like, you know, if, I, if you're like a level one party of adventurers and I'm like, oh, some giant rubbery skinned, like eight foot troll with huge claws the size of a man's torso comes around the corner and I was like a first level player, I'd be like, bye, and I'd yeah. be gone. Yeah. 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 But it's important. You see, yeah, it's, it's not me that's over leveled that encounter. That's just because I let the dice dictate how the world was, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Do you do you think there's an argument to say that because a lot of us that are doing these podcasts and talking about this stuff, you know, we're running and GMing games, so we're accepting of this like random table thing. Whereas maybe people that have not done so much in the way of running, or they're newer to the hobby, or they've read things because there is criticism of random tables. You know, a few years back. And even when I was a kid, it was like random tables. Well, you know, you're not a proper DM if you're rolling on random tables. What's going on with that? You know, it's all a bit of a con. It's but, a con. But, but with your random tables, you, you, if, you, if you write them well, you can flavour them for, for what you're doing, can't you? As opposed to having right. something stupid in, in 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 the wrong area but at least you can give a flavor by writing yeah. the random tables so that so that's the first thing yeah good random table is a real work of you know design artistry yeah. Yeah. you know they're not easy mm. to make that's the no. first thing but yeah i what 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 colin's referring to that was that was me sort of throughout the late 90s you know i was world of darkness i've talked about this before but i'd be like you know random tables that's no way to build a story <laughs> but, but but what you were what you were what you were pointing to, what you were swinging towards instead for building a story, was basically just crap amateur fiction. Well, it was it was, it was crap Christ. crap versions of Anne Rice. You know, notes after notes after notes. This vampire prince doesn't like that vampire prince, and this one's got these it's, rules, and this it's, one's it's got those ironic rules. You mentioned World of Darkness, though, Dave. So if you actually look in um, the latest edition of Vampire the Masquerade, like V five, there's right. actually a big random chart to enable you to determine like a random person you have fed on when you go oh, good on him. as a vampire good on him so yeah. I, I think <laughs> these things tend to yeah. sort of go in cycles yeah. i mean yeah. I, think, I think what colin's saying does have uh, an element of truth to it i mean if you if you've never really been exposed to sort of like the use of random tables it might be a bit odd but for me as i say some sort of getting started like yourselves with fighting fantasy let's face it some of the in the game books some of the choices you made 
were pretty arbitrary. Mm. Like you mm. go, oh, do you take this left path? Do you take this right path? Or if you go left, you you come across like a small witch in a hovel. If you go right, you're attacked by like orc bandits. So that that was pretty random as far as a lot of that went. So by the time I got into like actual role playing games, I was already used to the idea that like right. random stuff could yeah. happen. Yeah, I think they're misunderstood, aren't they? They're misunderstood. It's like after a couple of our first episodes where we talked about random tables on Purple Worm, we did have a call in from a gentleman. I can't remember his name. And he sort of said, oh, yeah, but they they kind of affect your storytelling. They maybe they mess up your storytelling. If you're using random tables, you don't get that story. And I would respectfully disagree with that. Mm. where you could have that but it's about how you're using those random tables mm. because you just because you use some random tables it doesn't mean you're using them exclusively because yeah. you've got you've got random table selection because there's so many of them there's an art to choosing the right ones yeah yeah there's an art to knowing when to use them and when to kind of keep your storyline going you know so it's not just like you rock up you rarely just rock up and just chuck chuck dice on I, I, arbitrary I, tables. I, I bet you a pound as well. There's players out there that don't realise that GMs use random tables on them. Right, yeah. all course. the time. If if not on the spot in yeah. their planning, yeah, I, yeah. I, in I, their I'm planning. not aware of yeah. it. So yeah, I mean, in terms of the random tables affecting storytelling as well, I've always been a great proponent of the fact that the story is simply what happens. What happens when the players are are engaged with the game it's not yeah. something i prepare in advance before and they sort of make their way through because yeah, yeah, then okay. you're in railroad te- territory exactly aren't you? and of course that that i i will go like oh, okay i've got i've got some npcs and i'm a midlands game and i know what their plans are and what they're working towards but that's not saying so if the players like interfere with their plans or they help them with their plans or whatever things change well, yeah, they're your fronts they're yeah. your fronts for what's a story i'll read a fiction book yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. In the in the Black Hat game we played recently, the story was Drend carrying Wit, you know, down the tower in a hurry, not getting eaten by the skeletons. You know, it's just it's just what yeah, it's whatever the players do in the, within those contours that you've you've established. I also love the fact that that session pretty much started with like Colin's character being like, "Oh yeah, let's have a party!" <laughs> I, know, I know straight away, straight away. Yeah, disco <laughs> 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 ball. So, is, is this the segue to the next episode then? Yeah, well, I think so because we were talking about Nicely tables done. because of the reliance of Into the Odd and the Maze Rats and all of these systems that we're talking about. There is some shared DNA there. What? Yeah we might want to look at in the next episode is where where is this shared dna what is the origin of this shared dna perhaps we can get to the bottom of that we're going to talk about a black hack that's what i'm thinking okay so before we wrap up does anyone have any sort of closing thoughts on into the yard or anything they want to bring up i suppose we should just mention that anybody's interested in electric bastion land check out the kickstarter it's uh, live now, and it's uh, £40 for the hardback book or 20, uh, 10, £15 for the PDF. So check that out and kickstart it if you're interested. Yeah, And, and, don't, give, listen, and give... don't listen to me, because I'm as picky as, and these three will tell you. They yeah. call me I'll... picky, I call it discerning. <laughs> I, I call I'll him give... Big Pick. 
I've got one more little sell for it, a thing that appeals to me, aside from the fact that I do think oddities are basically ciphers, so that appeals to me as a big Numenera fan. But, um, but, but what I really like, yes, it's already been mentioned, we've got all these failed careers, which is Warhammer, and the influence is quite, is quite happily and proudly there, but there's also a poignancy to it. They are failed careers. Mm. Um, which actually sets up your character and your character starts off in debt as well it sets up your character with a certain kind of poignancy which I'm really looking forward to seeing how that pans out yeah I like the yeah. look of it yeah yeah, and I think even if, you, even if you're not sure you're interested in it it is certainly worth having a look on the Kickstarter page and checking out that sort of advanced preview PDF because basically it's free, you've got nothing to lose why not have a look and then you can make a more informed decision about whether you want to get involved with the Kickstarter or not. And if you're tight for cash, if you're tight for cash, back the PDF and then print it out at A5 as a booklet. (laughs) Yeah. You can have it whatever size you want. That's that's it. Do what you like. I I recommend size. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So that's it from Dave, Pete, Colin and myself for another episode. Join us next time while we'll be talking about possibly the, the sort of this historic DNA of random tables that a lot of these games we like share. And more specifically, we'll be talking about the Black Hack. So take care, enjoy whatever you're playing, and watch out for those purple worms. We'll see you soon. Take care. Bye.